This episode of a Quick Timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Baylor, Florida, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish. And now save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Timeout Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. Today's guest is a three-time SOCON All-Conference Award winner, and this year helped lead his team to a SOCON championship and their first NCAA tournament appearance in 43 years. He's Furman Paladin's Mike Bothwell. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on here with you. I appreciate you uh, reaching out for me to be on here. Yeah, it's an exciting time of year, and I thought it'd be great to have you on, seeing as how you were a part of, of all of this madness. Let me talk first about the season. Finish this sentence for me. The 2022-2023 season was? The perfect storm. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because we went into this year with a lot of expectations. I mean, starting from the summer, you know, it was a roller coaster just because, you know, getting new people and new roles. Then when we finally started scrimmaging, we lost our first two scrimmages. Um, and that, that never happened in my five years. Hmm. Um, so it was that. And then. We went to the Charleston Classic, and we lost two games that we thought we should have won, but lost that. But then we beat South Carolina, which was like, whoa. Then lost a game at home in the non-conference, which probably happened in only twice in my five years. Then you get in conference play and lose early uh, to a team that we didn't think was that good at that time, and then go on a crazy win streak. Everything was feeling good. We were feeling really good about ourselves. And then lose again to a team I had never lost to in conference. And then we back against the wall trying to get the one seed in the conference tournament. I mean, for the conference tournament and went out, won two games against two teams that we beat by double digits the first time around. Barely went at home against both of those teams. So we were trying to figure out, like, what's going on? Is something wrong with us? And then we played the number one team in the league at that time at their place, sell out game, and crush them. So... It's like it's been it's been up and down. It's been a roller coaster, perfect storm, and then you know, SoCon tournament win that. Obviously, March Madness first round win. Um, so I say perfect storm because everything everything that happened to us, good and bad, all just built up into one good good scenario at the end. But it was it wasn't all good. It was a, it was some storms in there, but it was every storm was needed. What part did the disappointment for the guys that were there last year do for you all in your own personal motivation, but then also for those new guys who they didn't have that, but how did you use that to kind of fuel what you did throughout the course of this year? Coach Richie, I think, says it best. He said, it's not the jet that the the loss last year wasn't going to be the jet to push us, but it's going to be some fuel. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it because, I mean, if we got too caught up in, you know, trying to make it a redemption, everyone was saying redemption, redemption. And we didn't really like that that much because it was a new team for us, new teams in the SOCON. So it's not like we were getting a second chance, so to speak. But it was some some extra motivation of we were almost there, you know, some really tough, a lot of adversity we, were, we had to face. And how are we going to deal with it? How are we going to respond? And um, we had a great opportunity. The whole world was on us. They were playing the shot that the day of 
the next year's tournament game. Like we couldn't escape it, but we all took it together and like kind of made it a, a team mission and goal to just show how to respond from adversity. And I think that's what we did best this year. We always responded when we faced adversity. And that was probably why we had the success we did. What did it allow you to do as somebody who did go through that for the guys who hadn't been through that? I had to just own more. And Coach Richie told us then the next day, he didn't he didn't coddle us. He told us we lost that game coming out of halftime. We didn't lose it on that shot. You know, we were up 11 and a half. Um, we had momentum. We were getting stops. And they went on a huge run out of halftime. And we were arguing on the court. We weren't yeah. being together. You know, it was – so I had to own that. You know, I'm, as much as I wanted to take the pity for – Oh, wow. He hit a buzzer beater off the glass to beat us. I couldn't play the victim. It was our fault that we lost that game. It was, it was more than just that one play. So I had to, I had to learn from that. And I mean, all season, it was just a battle of leadership of just, you know, learning how to deal with things and take things head on. And it was my first year of being the oldest guy. And I've always been in a leadership role, at least for the past three years, but this year, me and Jalen, like we were the, we were the guys and it wasn't anyone else older than us. It wasn't anyone else that was going to get any other blame. Like it was on us too. And we had to figure stuff out. All right. So you guys this year, different result. You didn't have easy run through the Mm -hmm. tournament, the final game, you know, kind of pulled away towards the end. What were you feeling down, down towards the stretch when you kind of realized like, we're going to do this and we're going to go to the tournament. Yeah. I would say when Marcus hit a a three to put us up 12, like a minute or Mm -hmm. something to go. And at that moment, I, I looked at someone, I was like, wow, we're really about to do this. <laughs> and, man, for me, like, it, I've been at Furman, this is my fifth year. Every year it felt like we were so close. Not just in the tournament, felt like we were so close to regular season championships. We were so close, and we hadn't won any of them. For me, I know, I just felt that sigh of relief just know, when I knew that we were going to win. And then also just how bad our coaching staff wanted it, especially Coach Richie. That right there felt really good, just knowing that now he doesn't have to hear about it all the time. And he finally got to etch his name up there with a lot of the great coaches in SoCon history. But most importantly, the fans, that's what felt the best. Fan support and how happy everyone was. Like, we knew they were going to be happy, but afterwards we really saw how happy they were. But I thought about that too, you know, 43 years, everyone keep telling you, like, you can't go anywhere without them saying, is this going to be the year? We've been waiting 43 years. I was just a little boy. I was a student at Furman. Like, that's all you hear around here. So I just felt that, that pressure release off that too, just knowing that, like, I just started thinking about some of the former players, some of the alumni that I've talked to. I knew that they were just going to be just as happy as we were. So you guys win the game, win the SoCon. Selection Sunday, it's announced you're facing Virginia. What were your initial thoughts? And then also give us kind of an inside look. You only got a couple days to prepare, and then I know you're on the road. But how do you get ready for that game? Half of what us getting ready is what we did before we even knew who we were going to play. Coach Richie made sure we did a good job of, like, staying in shape and, like, not celebrating too long. We got good work in, skill work. We got up and down just playing us, being us, and, when we found out we were playing Virginia, it was a quick turnaround mentally just because we play teams that kind of try to play like them, but just not nearly as good. And, you know, everyone gets caught up in Virginia, just how good their defense is. But 
you don't realize until you start to scout them and study them is how much their offense wears you out. And I remember the first practice the next day after learning we played Virginia, we did because they they run the the mover blocker series with the flare and the pins. Um, and I just remember chasing around pins to flares back and forth, back and forth. That's all we did because we had guys hurt. And like everyone wasn't ready. We didn't even go five on five the next day. All we did was us guards two on two. One guy's guarding a pin, other guy's guarding a flare. And we did that for like 30 minutes straight. And I just remember being so tired. And I just remember telling like Marcus and JP, like all the guards, I was like, we got it cut out for us. And then seeing on film how much, how many looks they get off it and how long they run their possessions out, that was challenging. But I'm glad we did do that in practice because that's not something that all of us usually have to guard. You know, JP usually guards a shooter that is coming off a lot of pins. And we don't really guard. All of us have to guard it all at once. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad we did that in practice. I think it was really smart on their end of us working on that as long as we did because I feel like it helped us in the game and we didn't give up that much on that series. So that was unique. And we couldn't really emulate their defense. You know, we kind of we kind of play sort of like them defensively, like where we try to gap the ball and keep it tight. But, I mean, they're so elite on the ball, you can't simulate that. So it was all it was all really confidence. Coach Richie told us, he kept saying, like, you're going to have to work through the sludge in this game. Like, you might have to be okay only scoring 20 points at halftime. We keep it close. Late game, they'll hopefully they'll get tight and we'll be able to make enough plays to win it. And if you look at the game, that's really how it went. We, we stayed in it. We didn't get it frustrated that we weren't scoring as much. No, nobody in our team had their average besides Slaw. Like, no one – we knew that going in, that it wasn't going to be that way. Um, but we were able to just stay mentally tough through it, and that was the, the, key, the biggest key. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, lineup data, VPS, and, of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Combined with the HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to find out more. You and I were talking beforehand. It got all the way down. You battled back and forth the entire game with about 27 seconds left. I think you guys were down by four. I know 27 seconds doesn't sound like a whole lot of time, but when you're in the game and coaching the game, and that's the last time you can talk to your team, from there on out, there were like four or five possessions still. What did Coach Richie say in that timeout? that set things up for you guys to be able to even have a chance there at the end to win. He kind of looked at all of us and I mean, knowing him, we already knew what he was going to say, but he was like, I'm going to go for the tie. Cause that's just how his personality, like he, he, he like he likes the, the, to bet on himself, bet on the team. So he's like, I'm gonna go for the tie. He looked at Marcus. He was like, you gonna make this. And Marcus was like, I got you. Just drew a play for, for a three. He said, when we make this three, we got to We just got to get a stop. And he was like, if we don't make it, if we miss, we got a foul immediately. 
and it was kind of open. It was just a bad pass, I think. And Marcus ended up taking like a tougher shot than like he wanted to. But his mind, like Coach Richie said, we're going for the tie. So his mind was thinking, like, are we going for it? Like, I could maybe drive right now. We had time, but he was so locked in on just trying to hit the three. We missed, we fouled. Yeah, and then we went down and uh, got a two that time. And yeah, Coach Richie was just standing on the, on the sideline, like telling them to face guard. Coach Richie says that he told us to get one trap, then foul. I don't remember it. Maybe he did. They got a trap. Clark threw the ball up, and, you know, G made a great play, and obviously JP made the greatest play. The one word that came to mind was poise. And just hearing you talk about the beginning of the season and all the things that you guys went through, even dating back to last year, it seemed like you were ready for that moment because of everything that had happened to that point. Coach Richie even said it to us. We were calloused. Mm -hmm. We had been through so much hard stuff. That stuff didn't like really shake us. Like being down in a big game didn't really bother us. You know, we were that we just found ways to win. It was a minute, so many examples, especially late in the year, where it, that just showed out that we were just more determined to find a way than other team. And if a, and if another team left a door open, we were gonna you know squeeze our way through it. We were callous from what happened last year. We were callous from some of the adversity adversity we set we faced throughout this season. I think that helped us late. Like we just found ways to win. And then probably the biggest shot of the tournament. I can't remember one that rivaled it. Maybe that UCLA game. And shot goes in. You guys win. And then second round, you've got San Diego State. And I'll ask you about San Diego State in a minute. For those of you that are listening, this this episode is releasing the Friday before the Final Four. And since Mike not only played in the tournament, but played against one of the Final Four teams, I, th- I thought he'd be a great, great person to talk to, which is why I have him on here. Let's talk about the two games here. That first game of Saturday is going to be San Diego State against Florida Atlantic, and you got that firsthand look at San Diego State. What sticks out to you about the Aztecs? Their strength and physicality. I mean, they're bigs. That's where it all starts, but their guards are just as physical and just as strong. And, you know, their defense is one of the best I've ever faced, if not the, the best just because they swarm to the to the ball so fast. They don't leave their guys on islands ever. And, you know, it's hard to post them. It's hard to really spread them out because that's what we do best, but we can really spread them out because their bigs are mobile too. You know, they're big, but they don't have, like, pluggers. They have long athletic bigs. And, you know, one thing I didn't notice this until after the game is they had the media – Conference defensive player of the year and the coaches defensive player of the year. And there were two different people on the same team. And it's like, dang, they couldn't just pick one. Like they're both that good. They had to get one or the other. That's like, I've never heard of that. Two defensive player of the years on the same team. One, yeah, one was a big, one was a guard. So it's like, what are you what are you gonna do? I think that's what makes them so good. And then they're they're talented offensively as well. And they feed off their defense. You know, everyone tries to say that, you know, our defense fuels us, our defense fuels us, but I, I witnessed that firsthand. Their defense fuels their offense. And when it was a close game in the beginning, you know, they weren't really scoring that much. And we weren't we weren't scoring that much either, but it was close. But once they started getting consecutive stops after stops after stops, their offense just turned into a different t- different animal. They started hitting more shots. They started playing more confidently. Their bigs started making their, their moves. And they're just really physical. And their, their brand of basketball is to just try to punish you down low, punish you in the paint. And they can also have they also have shooters. So that's what I what I see from them. 
they're just so disciplined. They seemed to on-ball defenders. They stayed low. They stayed in front of you. There was no lunging, overstepping that gives you the opportunity to cross over and go and score. They were just always just right there. And then it seemed, too, when you guys got inside, they're bigs. They don't go for head fakes. They don't jump. They wait for you to shoot. And it's it, there's always somebody that you have to shoot over. And they're deep as well. You know, I remember in the game, I'll be, we'd be playing, and then they, I look at the scores table, and I see, you know, Matt Bradley, Lamont Butler, and one of their starting bigs come in. And I'm like, we were just playing against the reserves? <laughs> like, what? Their best player was just on the bench that whole time, and it felt like they're, this was their strongest lineup. So, you know, they're deep as well at every position, and they don't tire, they don't tire their guys out which I think their coach even said after our game um, in the interview that they, you know, no one played too much and they didn't get tired out. And I, I think it shows. And I think they, they really found, I mean, they've had a great year all year, but they're really clicking now for sure. And then Florida Atlantic, any thoughts on them? I've liked Florida Atlantic all year. I've watched them just because of how good their record is. So like whenever they come on a TV, like I, I, on ESPN plus or whatever, like I've always like watched a little bit of their game at least for this matchup, they'll have a decent shot with the size because they're big man. Um, he can play, obviously play with them, um, and their guards are really good. So, I mean, that's, they're going to be able to test San Diego State um, at the least. You know, they have a lot of good guards. They're going to make them have to work for sure on that end. I think it'll be a good matchup, but I think San Diego State will end up winning. I honestly didn't notice it, know this until the media asked us this question before the game. And they brung up to me how San Diego State lost in the first round of the tournament last year against Creighton. They had free throws late to, like, kind of close it out. And they ended up missing it, going to overtime, and eventually lost. And they were kind of on a response tour themselves. And then they just beat Creighton in the Elite Eight and kind of got their redemption, quote-unquote, kind of got their response. So it kind of reminds me of us, and I feel like they're playing with a big purpose this year, which I kind of like, and I think that's going to at least fuel them in this first semifinal. Yeah, okay, and then the second one is UConn and Miami, kind of more prominent teams that probably people are a little bit more familiar with. Thoughts on either of those teams? I like UConn, just their big man, obviously, is one of the best in the country, but they also have guards that can shoot it and score it. But Miami, I think Miami is going to have the best player on the floor in Wong, and I think in Final Four scenarios, that's when the stars arise. The team gets you there, but then the stars like finish it for you. So I think that's what's going to end up happening. I think they have a complete team, a solid team. And I mean, a lot of people didn't give the ACC credit this year because, you know, it wasn't as strong as it's always been. But I mean, Miami has been was at the top. So they're still an ACC team. They were still co-champions in the regular season. Like there's still a reason why they're where they are. So uh, I like Miami in that game. You mentioned this. You're one of these guys. You're too humble to say this, so I will. But when you have stars like yourself, what does that do for a team, both for that team and then also when you're playing against that team? And especially here, when you're down to the final, you know, 32 teams, and there's one or two dudes on that team who like, they can just take over a game. Well, for your team, it kind of calms you down. When you're out there with no hope, you know, it's really hard to win. And you're out there with guys that aren't really looking for the big shot or looking for making the big play, it kind of, it kind of worries you. But in these type of games, it's going to be late shot. It's going to be a bunch of late shot clock situations. 
bunch of isolation plays that have to be made just because the defense is so good and the set didn't work. So, you know, that's when the best players show out, when they can just make a play for the team. And, I mean, you've seen that in this tournament um, with, you know, I mean, Kansas State when they were on their run and those guys making just making plays. You've seen everyone's had 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 that playmaker's late game that's got it done for a team. It just calms you down. You know, okay, we got this guy, like, push come to shove. He's going to. He's going to carry us through. And then for the other team, it, it puts a sense of fear in you because the whole game, you're worrying which shot is going to do it. You know it only takes one or two. So you're worried that whole time when you're guarding them, when you're in the gap, when you're like, I can't be the reason why this guy gets going. I can't foul him, get him on the line. Like I hope he has an awful game, and I hope I'm not the reason why he gets going. So it kind of just puts a, a fear on you that, like, I have to make sure I show up um, and not be the reason why this guy um, goes off. Now, you make a great point about I spend a lot of times drawing up. People love the plays and the X's and O's, but you get this far and, like, you're not scoring off of X's and O's a lot of times. Like, special no. plays is not going to win you the game. It's like who's got the biggest or the best dudes and that can often be the separator there, especially like you said, when the two teams know each other and have a, had a week to prepare and that kind of thing too. So you got San Diego State and Miami in that final game. Who's cutting down the nets on Monday night? I think Miami's cutting down the nets. And the reason why, you know, as much respect I have for San Diego State, this seems like it's Larry Nega's year. You know, it's like he's they've been he's been in the media a lot. They've been talking about him. A lot of people have been saying that, like, the old coaches don't work, um, but he's found a way to adapt and adjust to the times, and he's, you know, kind of making it work for himself. And, you know, a lot of people in his generation of coaches haven't been doing as well lately, um, at least not to the Final Four this year. But, I mean, I think it's his time, and I think he has a team that can definitely do it. I think it'll just come down to San Diego State just – not folding in the moment, but just Miami's been in so many big games this year. And San Diego State has two. I mean, they're in the Final Four for a reason. But, you know, I just feel like it's just Miami's year. A lot of insight from the point of a player. A lot of great stuff. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me.